Uh, thanks for uh, watching. If you happen to be watching this live, uh, just so you know, it's actually Sunday afternoon and our live stream did not work this morning. Uh, neither did our audio recording. And so I'm back at the church re-recording this um, for those that are unable to attend this morning. And uh, so that's what this is. We also have installed a new camera and uh, that's the reason we had the difficulties was just making sure it was set up correctly. So hopefully this fixes the problem and you're able to see it. Um, this morning we were in Luke chapter 4. And before I read Luke chapter 4, I want to remind you what happened just before this. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus goes to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 21. It says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So the Father says to Jesus, I love you, I claim you, and I'm proud of you. Now I want you to see what happens immediately after that. This is chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. So I want you to notice that the Father confirms the identity of Jesus, the Son of God, loved, favored, but then the Father immediately sends Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It's as if He's saying, okay, I love you, Jesus. Now I want you to go and starve yourself almost to death. I want you to face off with my greatest enemy, and I want you to be radically obedient the entire time. Now Jesus doesn't have any followers yet. He goes into the wilderness alone, and he's fighting a very old battle, a battle that was lost by Adam in the Garden of Eden. Verse 3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Now notice that the devil doesn't even attempt to change his tactics. Do you remember the serpent's first words to Eve in the garden? In Genesis 3, he said, Did God actually say, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And here with Jesus in the wilderness, he's still questioning what God said. And he's also still talking about food. And so his strategy is the same. But remember, what did the Father just say to Jesus? You are my beloved son. And what does Satan question? Exactly that statement. So what is he asking Jesus to do? What is he, what is he looking for? He's saying to Jesus, prove it. Prove it to me that you are the Son of God. Prove it that you are who God says you are. Verse 4, And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. 
So how does Jesus respond to the devil? By quoting the Scriptures. Jesus believes what God says is true and that He has nothing to prove. As we read through the temptations, and there are three of them, we tend to focus on the surface. In fact, that's what most of the commentaries seem to focus on. What is the devil using to tempt Jesus? But the deeper question here is one of trust and relationship. Are you really the Son of God? And if so, then why has the Father sent you out into this wilderness? Why are you hungry? Why is this part of His plan for your life? Why are you suffering? And the truth is we face this exact same temptation all the time. Suffering comes into our life and we immediately begin to question, does God really care about me? And if He does, then why is this happening? Why is this part of His plan for my life? But if you look at the verse that Jesus quotes, it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I want us to look at the context beginning in verse 2. It says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years, 40 days, you see that, that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. And He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live, there it is, by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so Jesus picks something from really a perfect passage. This is a perfect response to the devil. And in this passage, Moses is actually talking about real bread. He's talking about the manna that God sent from heaven. It was bread that literally came from the Lord. In other words, Jesus was not hungry because the Father had abandoned Him. Jesus believed that He was led into the wilderness in order to be tested on purpose. And He trusts His Father will provide food when it's time to eat. But it's not really about the food. It's about trust. Trusting God is more necessary to our survival than food. Verse 5. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Now, this is actually another play straight out of Genesis 3. The serpent told Eve that they could become like God by eating the fruit. The irony, of course, is that Adam and Eve were already like God because they were made in God's image. They were as much like God as they were ever going to be. But Satan offered them a shortcut to something that he said would be better than what they already had. 
So he suggested that God was holding something back from them, keeping something from them. And so he's offering Jesus a similar shortcut. He's saying, you know, if you're really the Messiah, you've been promised all the nations of the earth as an inheritance, and that's true. But getting that inheritance meant a long, painful obedience, including death on a cross. And Satan here is suggesting that Jesus just skips all of that and just takes power immediately. And we can understand this temptation as well. We don't really want promises of future blessings as much as we want immediate gratification. I want my best life now, God. I want my blessing now. And it's as if the devil is telling Jesus, hey, just name it and claim it, Jesus. That's basically what the devil is telling Jesus to do. Just, Jesus, just skip the suffering and get your blessing today. It's, it's right there. Just take it. And y'all, if you've ever heard teaching that sounds like that, it is false teaching and it comes from the first false teacher, the devil himself. Verse 8, Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. It's not surprising that Jesus refuses to worship Satan. But also consider what Jesus is implying here. As Ralph Davis says, it's better to worship the true God than to possess the whole world. That's what Jesus is demonstrating. That's what Jesus believes. What about us? If we only had God, if we only had God and we had none of the other blessings that we associate with God, would that be enough for us? Or perhaps, maybe, are we guilty of worshiping God only in an effort to get something from Him? Verse 9, He then took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So now Satan attempts to quote Scripture back to Jesus in an effort to convince Jesus to take a leap of faith. So it's as if he's saying, hey, Jesus, if you want to know for sure that you are the Son of God, if you want to know for sure that you really are the promised Messiah, this will do it. Because God won't let you fall. I mean, Jesus, the Bible says so, right? Let's find out. And Jesus answered him, verse 12, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus here is teaching us that 
Scripture interprets Scripture. While you may take one verse out of context, which is what the devil does, the whole thing helps us to understand what's actually being taught. Verse 13, And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. So this is the final temptation, and it teaches us something very, very important about faith. Testing God is not a sign of faith. It's actually a sign that we lack faith. It's the only reason we would attempt to test God is because we lack faith. And so Jesus responds to the devil by saying that he doesn't need to put God to the test. Jesus already knows his Father loves him. He already knows that he can trust his Father even when he's hungry, even when he's suffering, even when he's fighting the enemy. And so finally, Luke tells us the devil gives up and leaves. But it's obvious, isn't it, what the devil was trying to do? He was trying to drive a wedge between Jesus and the Father. In the same way that he had drove a wedge between Adam and God so many years ago in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus succeeded where Adam failed. Jesus met every temptation that was presented to him with perfect obedience, perfect commitment, perfect dependence on God. And do you understand what that means for us? You see, in Adam, we are not who God wants us to be. We fail, we give in, we give up, and then we fail again. But in Christ, it is a different story. You understand that when we become united to Christ by faith, God credits us with the perfect obedience of Jesus. In other words... It's as if, by faith in Christ, the Father looks at us as though we had withstood all the temptations that Jesus withstood. As though we lived the perfect, obedient, dependent life that Jesus lived towards the Father. That that life is credited to us. In other words, what I'm telling you is this. And if you don't hear anything else I say, then, then please hear this. The person that God calls you to be, the person that God wants you to be, the, the person that God created you to be is only possible because of who Jesus is. Let me say that again. The person that God calls you to be, expects you to be, wants you to be, that, that person is only possible because of who Jesus is. It's possible because Jesus went before us into the wilderness. It's because He went alone and He succeeded alone. And He did it so that you and I could hear the same words of the Father that He had already heard. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. 
in whom I am well pleased. You understand that the Father is able to say those words to us. Not because we have obeyed perfectly, nor will we until Jesus comes again. In fact, we will continue to face temptation every single day of our lives. You know the enemy is going to continue to whisper into your ear carefully chosen lies. Lies that are tailor-made for you. He knows what brings you down. He knows what makes you fall. And he's going to continue to speak those lies. Did God really say this is wrong? Does God really expect you to do that? Why is God letting this happen to you? Doesn't He love you? Is that what He told you? And He's good at what He does, isn't He? And our answer must always be the same. I trust my Father. I know His Word. I know what He says about me because of Jesus. And that's enough. I want to close by reading from Jeremiah 17. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. It's important to understand that when the Bible speaks like this, it tells us to trust in the Lord that we might bear fruit. The picture is, is not of a healthy tree that on its own has figured out how to be healthy. It's a tree whose roots are sunk deeply into the soil, in this case the water, right? Its, its roots are sent into the stream. And who is our living water? It's the Lord Jesus Himself. I trust my Father. I know His Word. I know what He says about me is true because of Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, we thank You that You were able to go before us and withstand all temptation to do what we could not we thank you for your grace to us. We ask you to help us to believe. Help us to trust. Help us to hear the words of our Father in heaven that we are his beloved sons and daughters. Help us to receive that truth this morning by grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.